Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It is a really common thing people say about daylight savings time is, oh, it's something to do with the farmers. When farmers were the people who were the most against the idea, because as they would say, I can't tell my cows to give me milk an hour earlier. I can't tell the morning dew to go away an hour earlier. The natural world doesn't care what time Mm. you say the clock is. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Patented, a podcast all about the history of inventions. I'm your host, I'm Dallas Campbell. Thank you very much for your company today. I'm going to be talking today about time and how we measure time. And in particular, I'm going to be talking about that phenomenon where we put our clocks forwards and backwards, daylight saving. So here's a question for you. Is your oven clock an hour out? If so, that's probably because of daylight savings, putting the clocks forward or back. If it's recently telling the correct time, that's also probably because of daylight savings, because no one knows how to adjust their oven clocks famously. But when did we start fiddling with our clocks? Whose idea was it to put the clocks forward an hour or back an hour? For me, certainly, I don't really question it. I've always assumed it's something we've always done. But actually, it was introduced just over a hundred years ago a thing that's been quite divisive over time. So why are some people for it and why are some people against it? And how has that controversy changed over time? Well, today my guest is Kristen Hussey. She will be explaining all. She's a science historian based in Denmark. And she writes about our relationship with time, how we measure it, and how it affects our biological circadian rhythms. Welcome to the show, Kristen Hussey. Thanks so much. Beaming to us live from Copenhagen. Tell us a little bit about what you do in Copenhagen. You're a historian. You're a, I kind of want to say, cultural anthropologist, curator. You're just kind of interesting. You do interesting stuff. I'm like many different things, but I would characterize myself as a historian of science and medicine. Which is perfect for this particular show because we're discussing the invention of daylight saving And actually, your paper, which is terrific, by the way, you argue that we should be thinking about it from a health benefit, from a kind of circadian rhythm benefit rather than an anything else benefit. Yeah, I think we've really misunderstood daylight savings time, what was behind the idea of doing it. And I think if we understood a bit more about, I guess, the perspectives that were at play at the time, we Mm. might kind of question whether this sort of legislation about how we should spend our time, you know, is the kind of thing we still want to do because, yeah, it comes from a very particular context, let's say, and health is a big part of it. Yeah, context, that's the word. Actually, wasting time, that's a really interesting concept in itself. There's the great Shakespearean quotation. I can't remember which play it's from. Uh, I've wasted time, now time doth waste me. 
Yeah, a famous British writer in the early 20th century complained that people waste their time doing things like reading novels and he says half-hearted working, by which he means like not working hard enough and also sleeping. That's basically my entire life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Half-hearted working, which is kind of this, <laughs> and reading novels. Yeah, yeah. He thinks people sleep themselves stupid. I mean, sleep is something we all need, something we all need to be healthy and stay alive, but it's actually quite politically contentious. I was listening to another podcast about a similar subject. It made the interesting point about, we all say daylight savings, but it's daylight saving, I think. We all get it, it is, wrong. It's daylight saving time Yeah, is the official way to say it. Yeah. I'll probably say it wrong. I'm just going to say it up front. At some point in this podcast, I'm going to say daylight savings time. <laughs> Honestly, I say everything wrong. I said nuclear the other day and got absolutely hammered. God, time is really interesting. And I don't just mean from an Einsteinian perspective of which it's really interesting, but just our history of how we sort of divide time up. Time is such a mysterious thing. It is this great sort of like a river, this great backdrop that kind of flows behind us. And of course, from a scientific point of view, there's interesting things to say about that. But just the way we've carved up time and put it into little separate quanta, I think is really interesting. I think we've always, I certainly have, I always just take it for granted that it's always been the same. We have kind of time zones and we have clocks that divide time up into a certain way, but it hasn't always been thus. Till really recently, standardization of time is the kind of recent phenomena. It takes us back to the railroads, I know, back in the UK. Yeah. Should, we, should we talk about that first? Yeah, it's such a great topic. And it's funny you should say that because when I tell people I study the history of time, the response I usually get is, oh, but time is made up. Time is just a construct, which isn't true. There is such a thing as time. It's something very real that we all live and experience. And it comes from our Earth's 24-hour solar day, right? The rotation of our planet relative to the sun is time. Yeah, there's the sort of biological time, which I guess is different to like time, time, time and space time, as Einstein would describe time, dependent on gravity and speed, which I'm not really an expert. I suppose that's true, but I would still say that biological time is time in the sense that our biological time is a direct result of the solar day. Humans and all other living things on the planet evolved to have roughly 24-hour cycles. And for humans, we're not nocturnal, so we're awake in the day, we sleep at night, and we kind of carry the rhythm of the planet within us. So keeping time in that way is something we've been intuitively doing as long as there have been people. And you know, for many centuries, I mean, people liked to know what time it was because it's helpful to coordinate in communities, right, with others. If you're going to meet up for lunch or for some kind of ceremony, you know, you kind of need to know when about in the day uh, you were going to do that. So people use things like you know, watching the sun or other mechanisms that use the sun to keep time. But the idea of having something like a clock to keep the time really evolved more out of convenience, just so everyone can agree what part of the day we're in. And it's not really until, as you say, the 19th century that time starts to become really contentious. And it's bound up in these enormous industrial changes that go on. So we get artificial lighting. So suddenly people can stay up after dark. That changes the way people relate to time and the day. We get the railroads. How are we supposed to coordinate the railroads? You know, you get the telegram. Just pause on the railroad thing, because this is something I yeah. still can't get my head around. Until quite recently, even in the UK... The time in Bristol was different to the time in London, which just seems absolutely I suppose, what do you mean by recently? I mean, early 1880s, is that recent? I'm saying, I guess, yeah, I'm, rec I'm saying recent <laughs> as, a, as opposed to sort of evolutionary time or sort of, you know, yeah. geological time. It's not within living memory, but not far off. We just think of time being quite standard. Yeah. We can get our head around time zones, obviously, 
but certainly not in the UK. Some of the difference between Bristol and London or... Yeah, it's quite big. And actually, the UK had quite a big problem in terms of bringing in a single time zone because the time in London is really quite different than the time in Penzance, right? Britain is quite long. <laughs> yeah. It goes through many different latitudes. And depending on which latitude you're at, the sun reaches noon at a different time of day. So I think the time between Penzance and London varies by about mm -hmm. 20 minutes. Which is fine. But if you're a railway yeah. operator, presumably standardization is a good thing. So we're all singing off the same time hymn sheet. Yeah, so we don't have like massive train accidents. Which that's, is that's super handy. important. <laughs> it's super, super important. <laughs> yeah. Because early in the 19th century, you know, we did have clocks, but people were keeping local times. And all of the different cities had slightly different local times. And the trains really exacerbated why this was an issue. So in the 1840s, it was decided the trains would all run on London time. This led to places having to have two clocks, right? One for the train time, which would be called railway time, and the other for the local time or say Bristol time. And it's sort of the first step we get towards setting London and the Meridian at Greenwich as a standard, universally adopted time, which is what happens in 1884. There's a big international conference that happens in Washington, D.C., and Greenwich Mean Time is set as the standard time, not just for Britain, but also for all the other countries that sign up to this agreement, which is many different nations around the world. Except for France. There's some rivalry that happens with uh, France I, who decide they're yeah. going to adopt <laughs> their own French version of time, which is Paris time, but it's essentially Greenwich Mean Time. Sorry, when was that agreement set up? Just In 1884. Yeah, so 1884 that happened. And who sort of decided? Who said, yeah. right, this is gonna, we're going to do this? I would say there, it was a communal group. Obviously, the Astronomer Royal at Greenwich was undoubtedly strongly pulling for Greenwich Mean Time mm. to be the time measure that was used. But it was an international delegation of people who came together to agree on that. God, that's so interesting. So we've got the standardization of time in the 1880s. And then someone has this bright idea of going, oh, actually, hang on, daylight savings. It's something that I certainly take for granted. I'm only really aware of it when it happens. It happens twice a year in sort of springtime. You know, we put our clocks. I can never remember whether it's forward or back. And then in the autumn or the winter, we do the same thing. I only know it because the clock on my oven in my kitchen is wrong for six months of the year because like everyone else, no one knows how to fix your oven clock in your well, kitchen. Just imagine what it was like when you had to hand wind all of your clocks. Madness. In the home, in the workplace, you know, public clocks, the proposal to change the clocks, it was an enormous administrative problem. So why did we bring in daylight saving time? What was the purpose and who came up with the bright idea? It's a difficult question to answer because it depends on who you ask. I'm asking you, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it American statesman Benjamin Franklin in 1784? No. Was it an entomologist from New Zealand in 1895? No, 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 no. Or was it a British builder in the year 1907? <laughs> yes, it was. And you know what? Remind me of his name, William... William Willett. William Willett. You know, you know my favourite fact about William Willett, just really quickly? He's the great-grandfather of Chris Martin from Coldplay. Yeah, that's true. Did you know that? Thanks, Chris. I had read that. <laughs> I, just before we started this, I was doing some wild, quick research and all the things I read, I'm like, oh, I've got to process all this information. I'm like, that's my favorite <laughs> fact. Coldplay invented British summertime. <laughs> that's going maybe a bit far. I think it's a bit far. Um, but Willa is, while some historians disagree with who came up with the idea to have a seasonal time change, undoubtedly William Willa is the person who made it happen. 
He came up with a plan for it. He petitioned the government. He got a lot of people to support him. Uh, and he was really, I mean, really single-handedly responsible for the conception of daylight saving time as we do it now, which is really kind of sad because he died the year before daylight saving time came into force. And some people suggested we should call it will it time. Will it time. In a sort of acknowledgement yeah. <laughs> to I his like efforts. <laughs> or hammer time, like MC Hammer. Yo, it's <laughs> hammer time. Hey, yeah. this guy, Will it, who, just very briefly, who was yeah. he? You said he was a builder. Why did he come up with this idea? Like, a, did he have a moment of clarity where he's like, oh, I know what we need to do. Yeah. We need to ruin everyone's kitchen oven clocks. So he would tell the story that one morning he was waking up for his early morning ride, something I can only imagine a quite leisured person has time to do. But he would wake up at six in the morning to go for a horse ride. And one morning he was on his horse and he looked around him and realized that no one was up except maybe like the milkman. Everyone was in bed, even though it was six in the morning and the sun was shining beautifully. It was a summer day. And he thought, you know what? We are wasting the best part of the day when he says when the sun is new and the air is fresh in our beds. And it would be better for everyone if we simply changed the time so that everyone in the summer got up an hour earlier and then saved that daylight, that quote unquote wasted morning daylight into the evening time when they could go to the park or see their friends or exercise or whatever else they wanted to do. So he had this epiphany of like, well, people are lying in bed and they should be up. Why come up with the idea of adjusting clocks? Why not just say, just get up an hour earlier? Yeah, you know, and that is what other people said to Willett. Why are you trying to legislate the way people spend their time? Uh, but Willett had a, a plan and he had an argument for why it shouldn't just be that people might choose to do this, but why it would be beneficial both to the individual and to the nation for the government to get involved and mandate a compulsory legislative daylight saving time. So he really strongly believed that doing this would force everyone to do the time change together and that this would mean that not only would there be a monetary saving on things like gas, electricity and candlelight, but that people would be healthier, that they would be forced in a sense to live a, a healthier lifestyle by waking up earlier and then having more time in the sun later and then sleeping, as he would say, closer to the hours of darkness. Uh, so he really believed that it was going to be beneficial to Britain as a, a nation, and that's why the government should get involved. But that was one of the main pushbacks from people is that, you know, it's something that people could just decide for themselves whether or not they want to wake up an hour earlier or not. But, you you know, Will it would have then said, well, how are we going to have a society uh, where we're all running on different times? We're just going back to the way things used to be before standard time. So if we're going to change time, we need to do it in a uniform way. It's interesting that you, you talk about Willett coming up with this idea and trying to legislate it from a health point of view, because I think that everyone thinks of putting the clocks backwards and forwards with, for the farmers. Everyone's like, oh, it's a farming thing. It's so farmers get more daylight or something. But actually, the origins of it has nothing to do with farming. Is that right? You know, that's so weird because it is a really common thing people say about daylight savings time is, oh, it's something to do with the farmers. When farmers were the people who were the most against the idea of daylight saving time, they were the reason why it wasn't originally brought in when Willett first suggested it. And they have traditionally been some of the strongest opponents to the idea because, as they would say, you know, I can't tell my cows to give me milk 
an hour earlier, right? I can't tell the morning dew to go away an hour earlier. The natural world doesn't care what time Mm. you say the clock is. We have to work by the time of the sun. We have to stay in solar time. And if you try and mess with this, it means that the milk that you need for your breakfast in the morning isn't going to make the milk train because it's coming an hour too early. So that's going to have a big effect on your population. So the farmers absolutely hated it. And in fact, daylight savings time in the past, you know, in the 19th century, in the 20th century, has actually been an enormous clash between urban people and rural people who are living two increasingly different lifestyles. Over on the Warfare podcast by History Hit, we bring you brand new military histories from around the world. Each week, twice a week, we release new episodes with world-leading historians, expert policymakers, and the veterans who served. From the greatest tanks of the Second World War. And so what are you actually trying to get out of your tank? You're trying to get maneuverability and you're trying to get a really big gun. Your Tiger and your Panther are there to dominate the battlefield, primarily on the Eastern Front and in the North Africa and all that sort of stuff. But by the time they're actually coming in in decent numbers, that moment has already passed. Through to new histories that help us understand current conflicts. Any invader, any attacker, any adversary will exploit gaps within society. It was true then, it's true today. But the Finns signaled that they were united, and I think that's what the Ukrainians should signal today too. Subscribe to Warfare from History Hit wherever you get your podcasts, and join us on the front lines of military history. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We'll come on to some of the controversies about daylight saving in a moment, but let's just go through the sort of history timeline. So Willett tries to get this legislated in, in the UK for reasons of health. Did it happen straight away? Like, when did it actually happen? What, was there a catalyst that government said, OK, we're going to go with Willett's idea? Yeah. So Willett originally publishes his idea in a pamphlet in 1907, and he uses this as a basis to start getting people excited about the idea. And he's quite successful. He gets a lot of industrialists on board. A lot of politicians are on board with the idea that we could make this change that's going to make the population healthier and more efficient, and it's going to be cheaper for everyone. So the next year, in 1908, the first Daylight Saving Time bill is brought to the British Parliament, and they appoint this select committee, so an expert group of people to try and assess whether it's worth doing. The select committee comes back and says, yes, they give these six points of all the benefits it's going to bring. The first five are, I would argue, public health related, and then there's a last one about, oh, and it'll also save money on gas and electricity. But the prime minister is not keen and shoots it down. They try again in 1909. Uh, This time, people are a bit more unsure about the bill. Is it going to affect trade? Is it going to affect sleep? And again, shoot it down. So actually, I think that there's a daylight saving time bill under consideration by parliament pretty much every year between 1908 and 1916. And every time, it's kind of 
I mean, some people are in favor of it, but for the most part, it's kind of laughed out of the place. Like, what a ridiculous suggestion that we're just going to change the clock. We're just going to move clock hands and make time something different. And it's actually not until Germany decides to implement daylight saving time, an idea that they got from Willett in 1916 in response to the First World War, that Britain goes, oh, no, I guess we probably should have done that. So we're up to the First World War. Was it something about the First World War that made Germany decide, ah, that guy in England, the Coldplay grandfather, the, you know, Chris Martin's great-grandfather, we want to go with what he said. They didn't say that, obviously, because Coldplay wasn't around in the First World War. They didn't say anything about Chris Martin, I must say. But, <laughs> you know, the scheme of daylight saving time was undoubtedly Willits. So when they decided to implement daylight saving time, it was based on his recommendations. And they did it really for all the reasons that Willett was originally advocating, that there would be more light in the evening, that it would save money, and that it would improve the social and physical health of the nation. The only thing was suddenly in wartime, all of those things become even more important. So having that extra hour of daylight to produce munitions, saving money, and making sure your population is healthy during this really challenging time are all the reasons why Germany decided to go for it. And they really didn't quibble about it at all. It was suggested in their emergency council, and it was passed almost immediately. And then three weeks later, Britain implements their first daylight savings time as a result. Do you think that was a catalyst to it? Were they saying, crikey, Germany's doing this thing, we better do it as well? And actually, you mentioned sort of military benefits. I'm wondering what those military benefits were. I think it was a combination of things. I think on the one hand, people were really embarrassed that something that was a British idea that had come up in a British context was adopted by Germans before it happened in Britain. So there was a lot of embarrassment around it and a feeling like, okay, you know, we just need to do this now because it's quite embarrassing internationally for us to not follow this idea. But also, of course, they want to be seen to be keeping up with industrial production in the way that Germany is, and especially in a, you know, in a context where they're starting to bring in right, blackouts to save time and money. So they also need the hour in the evening. But we should underestimate the element of this that was about physical health. So for at least the previous 20 or 30 years, people in the UK had become really anxious about what they would call the physique, the national physique of the population. And they worried that people from Britain were degenerating, uh, that somehow <laughs> the new industrial urban lifestyle was making people it's sicker true. and weaker. Yeah. And that this meant that they couldn't have the same military preparedness that they had before. So there was always kind of a, a military ethic to why they needed to make sure people were healthy and exercising and getting an extra hour of daylight. That's really interesting. Now, you write about health and society. What do you think about that? Do, having that extra hour, do you think that makes a big health difference? Perhaps, I mean, you, you know, you write about circadian rhythms and our biological clocks. How important is that? I think it really depends who you're talking about. This is the big challenge of daylight saving time, is there are a group of people for whom this act had a genuinely like appreciable health benefit. And these are, for the most part, people who work in offices, people who work in the service industry, who are getting up and going to work at eight or nine in the morning and getting off work at five or six in the evening. They're the ones that are really at risk from not having enough time after work to exercise and enjoy themselves uh, and get out of the environment of the office. So I think for those people, they were pretty sure it was going to have a genuine health impact. The problem was working class people who had to get up and go to work at four, five, six in the morning. For them, daylight saving time 
was a genuine health hazard. Uh, you know, the idea of losing that crucial sleep, of trying to get up and be productive at a time of the morning when your bodily rhythms say you should be resting was dangerous to people's health. And certainly people who testified to these committees in parliament who were early rising workers were very strong on the fact that this change would be almost a death sentence to them to have to wake up an hour earlier. So I think it truly did have a health impact for people, even though we're only talking about an hour. It's still quite a controversial thing. Every sort of now and again, certainly in the UK, there's. I think it was in Scotland. Scotland wanted to change it, didn't they? They wanted to have like a double daylight saving and. Ooh. Yeah, because Britain I used think, to have a double daylight saving in the Second World really? War. <laughs> in the Second World War, didn't it? Yeah. But I think quite recently there was a debate about having it again, and then it didn't happen again. It was something to do with the the Scottish referendum, I think, in, in 2014. But it is. Yeah. The point is, it's still quite a controversial thing. Some people think it's great, and other people think it's terrible. I would argue that there's really no point in history after the point where Willett proposes daylight saving time that it's not controversial. People feel really strongly one way or the other about daylight savings time, and it's sort of brought in and taken out again. People experiment with, as you say, double daylight saving time. They do that in Britain in the Second World War. They advance two hours as a way of getting even more sun, especially in the context of uh, you know the bombings at night. They need as much light as they can get. Uh, they do it in the U.S. in the 1970s. There's a gas crisis. They need more light. I mean, today, I would say daylight saving time has never been so controversial. The European Union voted recently that member states can now decide whether they're going to do away with daylight saving time. Uh, and actually, in the U.S., there's currently a bill going through the Senate that would implement permanent daylight saving time. So actually, right now, we're seeing like a new historical moment in what we're going to do about daylight saving time. And a lot of that is being driven by new scientific research into circadian rhythms that are showing that far from daylight saving time being advantageous to health, it actually has obvious detrimental effects on our health. That's really interesting. I think we don't really, the general populace, myself included, we're aware of circadian rhythms, but I don't think we quite appreciate the importance of it. Perhaps you could just expand a little bit about the importance of circadian rhythms and why it matters socially. Basically, your entire PhD thesis now in yeah, five minutes, please. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's my entire subject of research that I've been working on for the last three years. What's so exciting is there's still also more to be shown about circadian rhythms. But the more we learn about our bodily rhythms, the more we realize they are so embedded in our health and well-being, both physically and mentally. And that actually, as a society, we need to make this shift to thinking more about time and how we use it and to start thinking not just about the what's of our health, like what do we do, what medicine do we take, but the when. When do we sleep? When do we eat? When do we exercise? Uh, so our circadian rhythms are these bodily physiological changes that happen around the 24 hours of the clock. So the really obvious one, right, is you're asleep at night and you're awake in the day. But scientists are finding that these rhythms are intricately connected with all of our bodily systems. All our different organs have rhythms. All our cells have rhythms. And they make sure that everything inside our body is running on time and on track. So if we go back to the railway metaphor, it's like making sure the trains are entering and leaving the station at the right time. Otherwise, you get a train crash. So they're now, scientists are now showing that disrupted circadian rhythms can cause you know, metabolic disease like diabetes, cardiovascular events. Uh, it's related to strokes. It's related to mental health problems. So even just an hour change starts to mess with these 
daily circadian rhythms and can actually have enormous health effects. I mean, you don't just have to take my word for it because I'm a historian, but you can look it up. Like I know the people at Northwestern Medicine in the U.S. have estimated that in the week after daylight savings time, there's a 24% higher risk of having a heart attack. There's an 8% increased risk of having a stroke. I mean, it's crazy because our bodies are these delicately honed system of rhythms, and even something small like an hour time change can really throw them out. What I find fascinating about all this is, is how something like the story of daylight saving times opens this whole world of time. Because on one hand, you've got the time of the universe, Einsteinian time, if you like. But then, as you say, you've got biological time. But then you have mechanical time, the way that we've decided time should be. But then, of course, you've got the politics of time, human politics, which, again, influences that. So you've got all these different times all kind of interplaying with each other, creating quite a a sort of interesting symphony and slightly messy things. But I think the health thing is actually fascinating. And presumably technology, new technology, the fact that we measure time differently now using things like atomic clocks, but also the fact that we, we have this digital revolution, have things like apps which can monitor our sleep, monitor our circadian rhythms from a health benefit. Do you think these kind of technologies are going to make putting clocks forward and back actually obsolete? I don't know. I think the putting clocks forward and back has been proven to negatively impact our health. And I think, as you say, what the future holds is us becoming more and more like aware of and kind of living in sync with our own rhythms. Uh, and I think things like you say, like apps that track sleep, they kind of help you understand a bit more about yourself. And I think as a society, we're moving to a place where we want to be more in line with those personal rhythms. It's why homeworking is so popular now, because you can kind of set your own time. You can work, you know, when you're personally the most productive, which isn't the same as when everyone else is productive. And there's something about daylight saving time that carries with it these very like Victorian ideas, almost this idea that, uh, you know, wealthy people can legislate the way that working class people are going to spend their time in a way that I think is kind of unhelpful. You know, the idea that parliament can decide what is or isn't healthy for other people to do it was an enormous incursion on private time, as we might call it. People were super resistant to it. And I just wonder now in our contemporary society where we do want to live more by our personal rhythms, uh, you know, have a more individualized experience. You know, we're playing with the four-hour work. We, we're really questioning how we spend our time and what's the best way to do it. In my mind, daylight saving time in that context seems like a very, very old-fashioned idea that's not really in line with where we're going. Maybe we should go back to um, railways running on different times and have like lots of different time zones in the UK again and just, well, maybe we should just throw the whole thing out and everyone just, yeah, let's get rid of standardized time and have time anarchy. Well, that would be, that would be pretty tough. Um, <laughs> I would say that we probably can't go all the way back to like an agrarian age where we all have our own times because we also all like to be able to come together and do interviews like this, which happen across time zones. You know, we're all on the same page. So I think that people who study circadian rhythms, people who are making policy about this would argue what we need is a return to permanent standard time. This mean time that does its best to keep us in time with solar time and stop kind of messing with moving things backwards and forward. And then we can be more on the, the same page and more in sync with our environment. Well, I think that's a good place to pause time. Frustratingly, time is not on our side. But Kristen, thank you so much for taking us through that. A really, really fascinating look, not just at the history of daylight saving, but also the health 
things that I certainly hadn't really even considered, but also the politics and the social history as well. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you very, very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And if this is a topic that's of interest to you, you know, get involved. Wherever you live, your lawmakers are probably currently considering something about changing daylight saving time. So read a bit more about it and let them know what you think we should do. Where can people read a little bit more about your stuff or find out a little bit more about what you're up to? Yeah, well, you can go and visit my personal website, which is kristenhussey.co.uk, where you can find out more about this research into daylight saving time and my wider research into the history of circadian rhythms. Brilliant. Kristen, thank you very much. Okay, that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We have new shows coming out every Wednesday and Sunday, so don't forget that. Don't forget to leave a review. If you like this episode today, leave a kind review or whatever kind of review you want. It helps other people discover the show. Don't forget to hit subscribe, etc., etc. For the next episode, I'm very excited because everyone's going to want to listen to it because it's all about the history of the sex toy with sex historian and fellow history hitter, Kate Lister. She's brilliant and you're going to want to listen to that. So I will see you next time. While I still have you, very briefly, if you fancy getting all of the History Hit podcast archive and new episodes ad-free, along with hundreds of history documentaries to watch, download our app across Apple App Store, Google Play, and smart TV platforms. Follow the link in the show notes or go to historyhit.com slash subscribe. There is thousands of hours of history on there, including a documentary on science in the Middle Ages with Seb Volk, and also one with me talking about the secret history of the space race. As a patented listener, you get a special gift if you use the code patented at the checkout. You get 50% off your first three months. That's patented for 50% off your first three months. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free podcast episodes within the Apple app.